Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. Another interesting chat with the WSO interns. If you're interested in applying to the internship, please check out the show notes. There's a link right there. Enjoy. Welcome to, I think, the 12th or 11th or so WSO weekly intern chat. It is July 8th, 2022. So we're firmly in the summer, planted right in the middle. Um, Wanted to just open it up as usual for the group to ask any questions they have about specifically the internship, and then we'll move on to specific uh, career-related interview networking type of questions. Um, hey, Harvey. Hi, Tanay. Good to see you again. Um, and so I guess we can start off with just the internship-based questions. We got about a group of 20 right now, so it's a little light. Usually we're up to around 40, but... Um, Welcome to everybody. So any questions to start off uh, about the internship? Any, I don't know if some of you have started or are going to be starting soon. Um, any any questions that any of you have around how to get started or you're, you've started and you have questions around the specific articles you're working on, anything like that? No? Is that the first time in 11 weeks? Are we doing a better job, Nabil, at uh, <laughs> explaining, um, explaining things maybe? So, yeah. credit? <laughs> yeah but yeah uh, if, okay if you guys have any questions go ahead and that um that can be for the editors as well i know colt you've been doing a great job uh keeping up on the editing so thank you for that yeah um anything else uh so let's talk about career oriented stuff um anybody have questions around um challenges they're facing um in recruiting um I'll try to be as helpful as I can for geographies outside the U.S. Uh, and Nabil will be try to be helpful for um, regions he knows better. But anything that you guys are struggling with, Amy, anything, Harveen, Tanay? I know in the past we've done resume reviews. Do you want us to bring that back for next week so we can kind of do more of those? And Definitely. Uh, you like that, Paul? Okay. Yep. All right, we'll do that for, for next week then. Um, Today, today always is enthusiastic about the resume reviews. So, um, question: Has anybody? Oh, cold emails. Do you want to talk about that part? Okay. How to do cold emails for smaller firms? So, you mean when you're emailing a smaller firm, how to message them? So, I think the size of the firm shouldn't matter too much. I think it's more around like the level of the person that's um, that you're emailing. Um, so if you're 
doing a cold email, usually what I like to do is, is try and find some commonality. So when you're doing a filter, let's say on LinkedIn, and you're trying to figure out what you want to say to somebody, um, usually you're doing a filter based on some sort of commonality that you have. So if I'll give you an example. So let's say you are into cricket. Um, maybe you could find other people who played cricket during during uni and you want to um, you know make that connection. You could say, hey, I, I noticed that you played here. I have played here. Um, you know, was wondering if we could hop on the phone for five minutes to just understand a little bit more about XYZ firm and, and how you guys do business. Um, and he says, how to find an email recruiters of small firms and boutique as some of their some as some of their only employees in the head, no recruiters or HR. Um, it's a good question, Annie. I think um, oftentimes there aren't even recruiters for these small firms. Sometimes they just post the jobs directly to like LinkedIn jobs. I still would re recommend not just applying to the jobs on LinkedIn. I'd recommend reaching out to the analysts and the associates and letting them know that you apply and um, or even prior. Like you want to apply. There's no such um, links or anything upon the websites or even on LinkedIn. Usually if it's, you know, on LinkedIn, they just put in the head people and then, and there's sometimes in the bios, profiles, they don't even put their emails or anything. So usually the first step for me is I go for LinkedIn, but like if there's like nothing else, then you have to like sort of skip the firm also. Yeah, um, I would recommend using the WSO company database for email format because I think email is much more powerful if you can get it into what I call like an email reminder cycle. So uh, I use an extension called Write Inbox. Have you heard of Write Inbox or like Boomerang? No. So that's an extension for Gmail, which allows you to easily set reminders for yourself. So if there's no response, it just bumps to the back, the top of your inbox again. And um, it sounds simple and easy, but it's actually a huge, an amazing tool to help make sure nothing falls through the cracks. So although I'm not inbox zero, um, I do not, <laughs> I, I don't let things fall through the cracks very often because um, if things aren't done or if things are yet to be followed up on, or if I've sent an email hoping for a response back, I'm always putting a reminder on it for like for it to pop back up in my inbox if I have a response back. And so for networking, this is super valuable because you can put like a three-week reminder on it, a six-week reminder on it, a two-week reminder on it. Um, you can set emails to be sent out at certain times. I think Outlook has some of these features, but you can send it instead of like, let's say you're working at 1 a.m. You don't need to send an email, then you could send it out the next morning, say at like 6 a.m. Um, to make it be one of the first things they see in their inbox. And potentially um, you can be a little bit more strategic around the delivery time of your emails to their inbox to hopefully get it, uh, increase your response rate. Usually I think early mornings are good um, or um, even later after, after the workday is over. Um, that's what I usually recommend. Um, but I would say that um, you try to find the email format. And so like we have over 5,000 firms in the WSO company database. You can go in there and look for the email format and then try to find their emails. You'll get a lot of bounce backs, um, but you can also use a, I'll type, type this Hunter, use a, a company called hunter.io to try and find emails and see if it's a valid email. So if you have like, say the name John Smith, you, you know, 
when I see email format, I mean, is it J Smith? Is it John Dot Smith? Is it, you know, Smith J? You know, who knows? Sometimes it's odd, but I'm knowing that will get you um, pretty far. We're getting more people, more stragglers coming in late. I'm happy to see that. I'm almost up to 30. Um, but yeah, the, the question was around specifically uh, cold emails and how do you get in touch with, uh, find the recruiters or the emails or the contacts of um, people at small firms because oftentimes that is hard to find. So uh, Annie, when you said you're using LinkedIn, I assume you're using like in-mails or are you just connection requesting them with a little message in there? Um, if, if able, um, I would sometimes uh, send in um, emails. Um, sometimes they just don't care. Oh, most of the time they won't care. Yeah, most of the time they don't care. I, I don't take that personally. I think 80, if you're getting more than like a 10% response rate, that's really good. Um, I think if you're getting less than a 5% response rate, you might want to look at like how you're, how you're targeting it. Because um, like I even went to their uh, websites, the most just don't have their emails down and yeah, I go directly for LinkedIn. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's it. Have you done connection requests? Oh yeah. I, I, I just send it. You, you send an email, but have you tried connection requests? Because once you're connected to them, you know you can get their email, right? Uh, yeah, I do. M most of their emails are actually personal. It's, uh, it's a bit, uh, I, I laughed I laughed a bit. Like I looked at them, it's, it's, it's a Gmail account. <laughs> but that's okay. If that's what they had up on their LinkedIn, I wouldn't be afraid to, to email that. Yeah. Because oftentimes they'll say, hey, don't you know, email me here. They'll correct you if they're yeah. not but um, yeah, I actually emailed them on their personal as well. <laughs> Good. I, mean, I like I don't it. really find out about the format. I would just say, um, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, try personal. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. And so has that worked for you at all? And can you give a little more background about your, um, you know, your year school or situation so we can give so, it context? Yeah. Uh, I'm a rising sophomore majoring in finance at Baruch College in 2025. Awesome. Awesome. Your, your timing is great. Um, rising sophomore, it's like go time for you. Um, have you heard of Monkey to Millions, my podcast? No. You should go to YouTube and watch um, all the advice I gave to Grace. It's all recorded. Um, Grace is at Fordham, so right near you. And she started doing all the networking and stuff freshman year, late freshman year through sophomore year. And you'll be able to see all the dividends it paid yeah. for her. I've, I've, yeah, I just, now I'm looking at it, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a, now realizing I'm networking a bit. Uh, I mean, I'm networking mostly correct, but I just more of, how do I explain? Like, I'm feeling lazy of, oh, I just put it in the personal email. That's it. I should hurry up and like number it. I, like what do you what do you mean by number it? Like the emails you send as much as possible. Oh, you mean increasing it? Yeah, ba yeah. Basically, I would just say, um, yeah, it's one and done. You got his his or her personal email. That's it. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it should be in terms of volume. Um, if you think if you think of LinkedIn as a connection request, if you're if you do like a filter on LinkedIn specifically around, let's say a specific sport, a school like alumni. So you put in Baruch, look at anybody who's, you know, worked in finance at Baruch and you just start connection requests to all of them. Be like, Hey, I'm a 
a rising sophomore at Baruch. Um, I'd love to connect and maybe touch base sometime in the future, uh, sometime to just uh, learn more about your career. Something as simple as that, uh, you know, it'd be great to chat. You do that for number one for all Some of them. However, don't allow emails. That's the bad part. But connection requests, send them that message in the connection request. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't send the whole. Th- I couldn't really send the whole thing. There's that, a character limit. It shouldn't be longer than that. That's literally what I just said. That's that's all you need to get the connection request. It should be like, "Hi, my name is Annie. I'm a rising sophomore at Baruch. Um, I'd love to um, connect with you and potentially, you know, hop on the phone sometime in the future to learn more about um, learn more about your career." Either way, wishing you the best, Annie. That's all you have to say. Like literally that little tiny paragraph just to get the connection, and then when you send that initial, then if they connect with you, then you have their email. Then you move it to email. You have a right inbox or boomerang to help re- remind you if they don't follow up. So in three, four weeks or six weeks, you're following up with them um, to show persistence, to show respect. You're waiting enough time to give them respect and time to respond back. Um, but then again, I would I would be cautious to give them a full book and bio of yourself. Um, it should be really short. They don't really care, to be honest, unless they like see something in themselves, see you in themselves. So it's like, you should try to just make a quick tie to them. Give them a little intro of like who you are, sophomore, majoring in finance at Baruch. Um, I noticed that you work at da-da-da-da in this thing and I'd, I'd love to learn more. Um, is there some time in the next few weeks that we might be able to hop on the phone for you know five to 10 minutes um, or you know 10 to 15 minutes to um, so I can... Um, ask you a few questions, question mark. Thanks so much either way, um, Annie. And then three weeks later, you follow up, maybe like, hey, just following up on this. Not sure if, you know, um, you're super busy. I understand if you're super busy and can't, but you just wanted to make sure you just didn't slip through the cracks. Something that casual, show that you're a normal person, show that you're uh, relatable, but you're confident enough to ask for the call and get on those phone calls, start establishing those relationships, I think is really important. Does that make sense? And it's hard. You're like just not even a sophomore. Yeah, I'm going to sophomore year. You're going to sophomore year. It's very hard to do that with professionals, but the people who are able to do it and get good at those phone calls, number one, get the phone calls because they reach out to 500 people. So they get the 10 to 20 phone calls. Number two, be comfortable enough on the phone calls eventually. Like you're going to be bad in the first few phone calls just because you're going to be super nervous. <laughs> like, yeah. But you need to have them, right? better to have them it's actually going to make you a better interviewer too all these calls yeah so definitely i i um i mean for for networking as of now i mean i got pretty about a bit over 500 connections on linkedin great like overall for almost everything that that's all i have as of now but like um all i can say is uh yeah um and in terms of big firms that, that that's the number of small firms i have no idea of. yeah yeah i would i would start filtering by like things that are relevant to you so baruch is one right then i would look at other small maybe look at fordham alum because there's kind of a connection baruch for like you're both in new york right you can look for any sort of kind of, even if it's a semi-weak connection to make a connection with that person. I don't know what your hobbies are. I don't know if there's a way to find out. Um, let's say you loved, um, I don't know, making this up, curling, like some weird random Olympic sport. You can find people who are in finance that happen to be former Olympic curlers um, or whatever, you know, it's just like a total random example, but like that, those types of connections where if you're able to kind of show that you're passionate, let's say you're, you love fishing, 
um, you know, that type of stuff, I think can go a lot further um, in terms of developing a real friendship and a real connection with somebody and then pulling for you to get you an interview. Okay, good uh, luck. Yeah, and I then, have a quick question. Yeah, or Paul, go ahead. Sorry, um, one of them, the first one is like, do you think it really matters if your um, LinkedIn is not super updated? Like I have nothing online. So when I just outreach to people, I just attach my resume um, instead and like send a note. But um, yeah, I just feel like I don't like having all my experience and all my stuff on there for like everyone to see. I just think it's kind of weird. Like I'd rather just keep my head down, you know, that type of thing. So do you think it's like a disadvantage to not yeah, have? Yeah, I think it's a disadvantage. Just to not have all your stuff yeah, um, people can't people can't learn about you and people are gonna to want to stalk you if you're reaching out to them cold, especially before they yeah. decide whether to, to actually have a conversation with you. It doesn't mean you need to go crazy on LinkedIn and be like, oh, I want to thank everyone in my mother for helping yeah. me get this two week to this weekend. Yeah. Humble that excited. Yeah, you don't have to do that. You can literally not even have bullets on there, but at least have some like school, this, maybe show that you joined a few of the associations that are relevant, whatever. It doesn't have to be crazy. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, an important one's a smiling, smiling face, mm-hmm. um, a, a friendly smiling face on there, um, I think is important to show, you know, somewhat professional shots. So you're not like, um, so they look like you're presentable because that matters yeah. for a lot of these jobs. So yeah, I do think it's a disadvantage. Um, yeah, pretty much all I have is the like profile picture or like a professional. I would have a little more, like, I think you should have, you know, your school there. Nope. <laughs> no internships, nothing. No, it's all on the resume. I I would take the hour it takes to get it up there. Yeah. Especially now you have the WSO internship over there. <laughs> yeah. It's going to help you. And then, it's going to help you. And then also, like, I got super lucky with an outreach. Like, I talked to a managing director at a hedge fund today. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like it was just one of the more awkward um, networking calls I've had. Yep. It doesn't be that I was necessarily nervous. It's just like, uh, you had to take like three calls in the middle of it and I would just lose my flow. So, I mean, I just don't think it went that well. And I don't even know if I should be sending like the follow-up email. I don't know. What do you think? Or like the follow-up text? Yeah, I would just say thanks so much for taking the time out of your busy day. Um, really appreciate you sharing some perspective on XYZ. I think just that's the courteous thing to do, just a short yeah. thank you. Because you never know, you may think you bombed it and you're horrible, but like they may give you a lot more slack than you think knowing how young you are. Yeah. So don't think like, oh my gosh, that was horrible. It was so awkward. Da, da, da. Like that's also on the professional to make it less awkward. So, you know, who knows? Maybe they're awkward. It's not easy <laughs> on you. You know what I mean? No, maybe. I don't think so. Yeah, but it's okay. And the other thing is, like, you're still in a learning phase. Maybe you just weren't ready for that level of call. Yeah, probably. It's like even bankers, even bankers who've been doing two years of banking can like flub on those calls and like not know what to ask or they ask stupid questions. Yeah, I ask really dumb questions. But like when I'm on a call on an analyst, like it's always a ten out of ten. It's just like laughing the whole time, super easy. Yeah, and so that's good. One thing I'll caution you about the laughing, super easy is they, the analyst may enjoy talking to you, but they may be less confident about referring to you if you're too much of a joker. So just be careful. Yeah, 
Um, Especially if you're not from a target school already. Da, 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 da. Like if you're sharing laughs about like something that's good, that's that's cool. Like uh, in terms of like shared stuff and all that, um, yeah. go for it. Just be careful about that. Cause like, even like when I take, if I've taken networking calls, like you may laugh with somebody, but then you're like, Oh, I don't know if I want to put them in front of my MD. Are they going to make me look bad? Yeah. I tried to test the waters first. Like I was talking to yeah. someone on the credit trading desk for my internship next year on the investment yeah. grade side. And yeah, um, I think we bonded pretty well and he's uh, going to connect me with like a director on the desk and an analyst on high yield and stuff. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty awesome. excited. So, I mean, that, it sounds like you're, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some, you're going to be awkward in some, it's someone you're just not going to connect with them. That's okay. So just don't feel, don't feel bad about that. Just keep going, man. Like it's just one call. It's just yeah. one person. It would have been super dope though. If you liked, I could have asked for like a spring internship or something. <laughs> at the hedge fund, hedge yeah. fund. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's just a good lesson of just trying to be as knowledgeable as possible. Um, I think that's where, like a lot of the free resources on WSO in terms of just reading and knowledge and knowing the right types of questions to ask. So like you understand the difference between like a macro hedge fund versus like a pod structure versus this structure and being able to kind of ask those more nuanced questions will, will kind of impress them more. But that takes time. You got to like have time to read and learn. Yeah, I'm, I'm still learning a lot about bonds and investment grade versus high yield and stuff like that. So I'm yeah. definitely asking some dumb questions for now that's okay that's okay um cool man um yeah i wouldn't let it get to you so emmett i think you had your hand up hi patrick how are you hey man how you been good to see you again i've been good uh, it's been a long week of work but um good good to see see through to the weekend yeah um so i had one question about um big four deal advisory so um so my work you know the opposite size, um, we've been doing a lot of DD um, with KPMG and you know, and I was also looking at merger market tables. Um, so I'm from Ireland and you know, normally our group would um, be the top advisor in our country, but the last few years, um, Deloitte and KPMG have been topping it. Um, so I was like, I was kind of looking into it and then I was asking some of my colleagues like, yeah, but we're not really sure about that because how much of that is transaction services and how much of that is our actual corporate finance team actually um, executing deals. Um, so I had a look at their, their kind of deal advisory pages on their websites, you know, PWC, Big Four, et cetera. And I couldn't really kind of work out what, it, what exactly is they do. Like it seems like half of what they do is corporate finance. Half of it is kind of, kind of DD services, I, but I couldn't really find a resource that could break it down. Um, would you have any kind of experience with that? Would you have any insights? I never worked at the big four, but I know like, I know at least when I was in private equity and banking, like I think they, they have bigger practices in due diligence, transaction advisory services. So oftentimes they're doing like quality of earnings reports, um, stuff like that. That's a lot bigger practice for them than, um, than like the strict investment banking where like they're actually like pure advisor on a business. Um, like for like on the banking side, that makes sense. Like M&A advisory, for example. Okay. Like that's usually a much smaller piece of the business than they're like audit is like the monster, right? Tax mm -hmm. is pretty big. And then like 
corporate finance and advisory and all this stuff, transaction advisory service TS. It's still a bit, it's a big business, but it's just, it's not as big as the other two monsters. I mean, they're, they're huge, right? Um, it's, it's hard for me to say, cause I don't have any experience in, I don't know, Nabil, if you have an opinion on this. Um, but yeah, I think from my perspective, like it's a little skewed cause I, I saw all the work I saw them do was like QAE, you know, quality of earnings reports. I saw them do like tax stuff on all the deals we were doing. So yeah, much less origination and more of like, yeah, DD and that, like that kind of work. But I think tasks like at, at big fours, like especially in emerging markets, is like pretty big compared to even audit. At least like uh, in the Middle East, it is. Not sure about uh, Ireland, but yeah, it is. It is you probably big. know more than us, Emmett, honestly. Yeah. Well, well, I'm just starting. So to be honest, you know, I'm, I'm still on the learning curve. Um, so what's your concern, I guess? What's the source of the question? What are you trying to get to? I guess I'm just trying to decipher because um, the last few weeks, um, well, it's kind of last week, you know, few internships are starting to open their application portals. Some will be coming up in the next few weeks. So it's kind of going on merging market tables and kind of breaking down the sector I want to get into, the geography that I want to go to, and kind of seeing, okay, which are the um, kind of targets you know, beyond just bulge brackets and, you know, big names, which are the firms that are really going to be good for your career and yeah. what you want to do. Um, so I went on, looked at kind of deal volume, and it was all big four at the top, but they're not known for investment banking. So that's kind of... Yeah, but if you get into transaction it. advisory services at one of the big four, it's a well-known feeder into the banks, into investment okay. banks after. Like that I know for sure. Like, okay. And more so now than ever, or at least in the past several years, because they're so desperate for analyst talent and all the analysts are leaving early. So the mm-hmm. banks are desperate for talent, junior talent, like qualified junior talent. Uh, TAS is losing them to banks and the banks are losing them to private equity and other buy side and other corporate finance roles. So there's kind of like uh, TAS is a great place to be um, for if you do want to eventually be in investment banking or buy side. Yeah, no, I guess I was just trying to break down what are the differences in what the investment banks do and corporate finance and what the Transition, deal advisory What TAS does, what transaction advisory services does? Yeah, I mean, I get, I mean, the resources I looked up online, they seem to kind of group TAS and maybe one or two other, maybe a bit of corporate finance under the deal advisory umbrella. Yeah. Um, Yes, I guess I was, just, I was just trying to break it, that there's down. Over, I mean, there's overlap. Each each fund, like I see each big four has like different regional offices too. So um, like they may have a bigger practice that's like pure investment banking in like Chicago or like maybe PwC has a bigger Chicago. I wouldn't know that um, offhand. I'd have to like dig. Um, but that's something you might be able to search for in the forums or ask a question more like more specific, but like, hey, what's the biggest who has the biggest task group in the U S or in, in Ireland, you know, or the most mm-hmm. successful task group. Um, you'll probably get some opinions. Yeah, I'm sure. I can ask around. Um, but yeah, thanks for that. And I had one other follow-up question just based on um, some of the comments on posting on LinkedIn and LinkedIn talks, et cetera. So there seems to be a big trend or I'm certainly seeing a big trend and I'm sure you're noticing it as well of a lot of students, you know, posting online, um, you know, big long essays of how they, you know, they've worked their whole life and now they're into their dream job and stuff like that. Um, but also just more simpler ones of, um, you know, 
I've I've got my dream job at a bulge bracket, you know, very brief, but you know, thanking everybody. I'm wondering because I'm personally, you know, I'm not really a social media person at all. Um, like I only really use LinkedIn for kind of professional services. I don't have like Instagram or Facebook just because it's a time drain and yeah, yeah. Um, understood. But I, I guess I just wanted to get your opinion. Like, do HR, do uh, professionals, do they take note of that? Is there anything that they see in that, or is this? Um, I've heard. Kind of- I've heard some of the banks will encourage people to do it because they want. Hmm. There'd be like that buzz associated with the firm. Yeah, I know when I did my spring internship last year, they did send us a logo out to attach if we wanted to put out a post. Don't put I didn't oblige, post. but I saw the exact same logo put out on a lot of my peers who are on the same program. Yeah, I think you don't need to do that. I think definitely put it on your LinkedIn, the firm. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's all you need to do. I wouldn't, I'd actually think it can hurt you if you go overboard. Um, with some people like thinking the world like as if they've they've like overcome everything and they haven't even started full time mm-hmm. um, it kind of makes some of the people in the industry chuckle and laugh and there's a lot of memes on it and people laughing about it um, just because it's like thank you I've made my dream job and they've never actually worked in it and they don't realize like how yeah. hard it is <laughs> like and all um, the horror stories that come yeah, out. Like, so, How can this be your dream job when you've never done it before? No, I, I'm looking at your the- I'm I'm looking at your profile. I think the amount you're sharing. So, like the opposite of what Paul was saying, like, I don't want anything, that's bad. Um, but oversharing, going the other direction of being like being overly active. Be, oh, and that this is this is really important. It's not just about what you like posting something like over glamorizing your struggle to get to where you are and like tagging your whole family and all your friends and your and different firms. It's not just that, that kind of seems a little bit, it's a little bit too much of a sharing. Mm. It's also your activity. LinkedIn shows me like what you've liked. Yeah. Yeah. So imagine if you were like super, super right-wing or super left-wing conservative or liberal, and you were just liking all this super right-wing stuff or all this super left-wing stuff, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Great. Your views. Awesome. In a professional setting, it's usually going to hurt you. It's usually better to keep your political political stuff to yourself, because mm-hmm. all you're doing by uh, broadcasting that is usually pissing off you know thirty to forty percent of the population. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess there's nothing to gain unless you know, your gain. recruiter is very very radical and. You know. There's very little to gain, and plus you're like you know. It's just very little to gain. That's my point. Um, so as a um, as a way to actually help your ability to land interviews and not get not get ghosted for whatever reason because somebody checked your uh, post activity, so people should look at that. You guys should all look at your LinkedIn's. Be cognizant of careful well what you like, what you comment on. Uh, don't get in arguments. <laughs> They're there forever. Um, this includes Facebook and Instagram too, but especially LinkedIn. So expect to be a little more professional. Um, all of your Facebook and Instagram should all be set to private. Um, I don't think there's much upside to showing them your social, showing your future employer your social life. You're broadcasting your social life. Now, some people will disagree with me. Maybe like, it lets them see your personality and all that stuff. And yeah, sure, um, maybe. Um, I just think it's it's usually going to do it's it's much more likely to do harm than good. So that's all. Um, awesome. Thanks for your thanks for that. 
Yeah, no, I think yours is fine. Yeah, I think what you have is fine. Yeah, I, I actually, I try to keep it like, you know, if I accidentally like something, I try to unlike it as quickly as possible. <laughs> it's okay. I'm, I'm it's not like, it's not that, that crazy. It's not that crazy. It's just like, you don't want to be like, if there's a pattern, you know what I mean? Yeah, but even for kind of just, you know, kind of social media sites, the amount of analytics they get, I'm just like, no, you're not getting anything from me. Um, just from that perspective. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, thanks very much, so much for that insight. Yeah, no worries. Uh, Madab, you had your hand up for a while. Sorry about the delay. Um, yeah, hi, Patrick. Hey, uh, I was just wondering, uh, since you obviously worked in the investment banking industry, like how hard are the hours actually? Because I've seen people say that, oh, it's like 60 hours. It's pretty tough, but you can get through it. And some people say it's like 90 hours. So like. Yeah, um, it's really going to depend on the group in the bank. Um, I'll say. Even 70 hours sounds like not that hard, but when you do it week after week after week after week, it's pretty grinding. Um, so like, um, no, it's not letting me minute. I was going to try to share my screen, but there's a, there's a report under our, let me see if I can pull this over. In the company database, there's a report on banking hours. Um, so you can get a sense of like what firms specifically mm -hmm. um, kind of work their <laughs> work their analysts the most uh -huh. and their interns the most and so there's definitely some you know some firms that really do grind their kids you know 90 plus hour weeks for uh -huh. two years so they can be that's that's usually the worst i'd say real working 90 hours a week you'll have some people saying oh i worked 110 hours a week for two years straight it's like no you didn't um but you know 80 to 90 hours a week is pretty brutal um consistently and it's just because that you know the marginal cost of each incremental hour once you hit like 70 80 starts going up exponentially it's just mm -hmm. brutal you start not just losing sleep but you can't even do your laundry you can't even like meet up with friends at any time <laughs> yeah stuff like that so that's what makes it really hard um why are you concerned about like like do you even want to do it yeah like i don't know because i'm i'm a double major in cs and finance so like i have i don't know like i mean obviously the tech side hours are amazing and everything but like i, I feel like i'd be better fit for investment making like i don't know it's tough man it's a tough decision because like you have the cs background um they all, i think you got to think about like the day-to-day -day. what do you like being in front of a computer coding more um or eventually like because i think well, that's not necessarily true because even in CS, like as you move up, you probably need to be managing more engineers, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so like it becomes a little bit more of a people thing, but it won't be a it, it won't be a sales job, right? The thing about CS, I feel like, is that like moving up in the ladder is tougher than it is for IB because like IB can be like a three year analyst program, and then hopefully you get promoted. But like CS, you're gonna be working for like ten years in the same position, and it's kind of tough to move up. It is tough. The competition in terms of like it's hard to kind of like differentiate yourself, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um. I'd assume, um, based on my friends that are at Google, <laughs> I had a friend there for like 14 years. He, he just got promoted and it was, but it was like a long time. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, I mean, he, he made it to staff, right. Which is like considered super, super high. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, that's, it's a long road. Right. But in the meantime, yeah. he loved his job. It's like, great. The perks are awesome. So, I mean, it kind of like, I, I try to think of it as like, in both careers, you're going to have your head down staring at this computer and working long yeah. hours, like regardless. Um, CS, probably a little bit less, right? I, I assume it's probably around 60-ish hours there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I, 
I might push you towards CS because you have the background. Okay. Um, simply because um, just I think the demand is just it's always yeah, there. Yeah. it's a little bit it's a little bit more recession proof I feel like mm-hmm. um, than banking which can be have be a little bit more volatile. Um, yeah. What year are you? Um, uh, I haven't even started college. <laughs> I'm, so, yeah. I'm going into freshman year, so you got time. Yeah, I would, like, because like I, we have like like the handshake app, whatever. It's like an internship like app, and like you're supposed to apply for internships like as you go in. But I don't know if I should go this side or that side when I apply because I don't want to have like deferring internships. And then when you apply for a job, they're like, "Oh, why do you have a mess with making internship out there, CS kid?" And so yeah, I, I think given that you're so young, I think freshman year, I think it's fair to explore. Okay. But then after sophomore, I'd say, yeah, like make a decision. You got to pick, pick one. So yeah. is it possible, say like you get a CS internship freshman year, is it possible to go to IB or sophomore year? Yeah. I don't see why not. Okay. Yeah. Yo, shameless plug to sales and trading. You can do CS and finance at the same time. So you should probably do trading and you get the same promotions as bankers and same pay. Even better depending on the desk. So. It's true, but that, but then again, Paul, it does become a little bit more of sales eventually. Yeah. Well, isn't, uh, isn't being an MD just a sales job? Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh no. Yeah. Job? No, I'm not comparing. I'm saying CS versus S and T. Oh yeah. 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 CS, you'd be managing people, but it's not really like you're not selling the external clients typically, unless you're like doing your own startup or something. Yeah, but that's more like project management work, right? Yep. You get higher up. Yep, absolutely. Um, so I don't know if that was helpful, man. But like, yeah, you're young. I, I would try to at least get one internship at to, to do a banking internship, do a do a CS internship if you can before kind of making that decision because you'll oh, just yeah, get yeah. a feel for it too. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, You may be like, oh my gosh, no way, I'm going CS, or you may just be like, hey, actually, this finance stuff is cool. Like, yeah, okay. So, like, is is it even possible to get like an IB internship freshman year? Because I heard it's like very hard um you can do like, it unless now. you're going like wharton like i don't know well i mean it, we're not talking like you're, you're not going to get an internship at goldman sachs like you could yeah that's true, that's true. you can get a ship at a small uh small bank but they're probably gonna be like you're a freshman like come back to me in two years um okay. even that to be tough but like you don't have to say hey i'm an incoming freshman i would leave that out be like hey i'm currently attending <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, xyz yeah. you know what i mean i'm yeah, um, just yeah. trying to like not feature that Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and you can say I'm interested in investment banking. You know, I was wondering if there's if you guys need any help, even unpaid, something like that. Um, I think that'd be a good way to go about it. Try to even get something during the year, maybe near your school, if possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, assuming your grades don't wouldn't suffer from it. So okay. All right. is that helpful? Uh yeah, thank you. That was helpful. Thanks for the question. Uh, any other questions? It is, let's see, 12.40 my time, 3.40. We're only 40 minutes in. It's been a very quiet call. Everyone's being shy today. Oh, there are quite a few in the chat, though. Oh, there are? Am I blind? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let me see here. Um, O'Day says, I have a question. I am going to be in my senior year in the fall of 2020, and I'm struggling with finding interests in finance, so I'm in Lebanon. Most recruiters require experience even for internship positions. Any advice I use? Uh, to work in machine learning sector before. Uh, O'Day, have you been applying with this internship on your resume? 
Hello, Patrick. How are you? Hi, my how are you? Experience. Yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, I used to apply for many uh, many internships here in Lebanon, uh, but unfortunately, most of them, I told you, they require experience, and I don't know what's going on. I have my CV. I can share it with you if you want. Yeah, maybe. Is it one page? Yeah, it's one page. It's uh, just like the just like the format that you told us about. Did you? Uh, is the machine learning stuff? Is it featured there, or is it more finance featured? No, no, it's actually only finance. Oh, good. That's it. Because I'm not measuring in computer science, you know, I'm measuring in finance, but uh, I learned uh, machine learning and programming uh, by myself. Yeah. And are you uh, only applying to places in Lebanon? The thing is, I tried to apply for places outside of Lebanon. They didn't accept because uh, most companies, actually all of them, they require work authorization. Yeah. So, or residency or things like that. So I got rejected because of this. Uh, actually, yeah, these problems are becoming really tough on me and you know uh it's kind of uh, demotivating so any advice regarding this uh issue yeah so first off when did you put the wall street oasis internship on your resume uh i didn't apply uh, when the wall street was on my resume so uh recently i stopped applying for anything because i had a lot of commitments uh yeah okay and also i'm having a summer semester too that's the thing and how many um, how many applications have you submitted, or how many connections have you made? I can tell like it's above uh, thirty applications, above even more, like more than fifty, I, I believe. Yeah. Okay, and mostly just through on the resume drops and stuff. Uh, actually, uh, you can tell like fifteen percent of them. I received a call, only a call, without an interview. They asked me not technical questions things about uh, me, about my experience, and they never reply back. Yeah. But how many, like, uh, how, are you applying, how are you applying mostly? Are you applying through resume drops or are you applying through other ways? Uh, like on through the portals and stuff? Yeah, portals, portals, and uh, LinkedIn. And I have one thing to mention also. I tried to apply for BCG uh, in Qatar. So I was surprised that me, like, I had a lot of experience uh in programming and things like that and also i had some experience in business sector uh i got rejected i didn't even want i wasn't even invited for an interview and some of my uh friends who i know they don't even have uh you know they didn't even have do any internship so they get accepted as junior uh, associate there so i don't know what's wrong maybe something with my cv i don't cv or yeah you should have somebody review your cv um yeah because there may be something on there that's glaring that you don't even realize. Okay. Yeah, and so, then um, 30 to 50 applications, honestly, isn't that much to get demotivated. Um, some people have applied to thousands of places before getting that one yeah. offer. Um, but I'll say um, you're probably going to have more. Nabil, do you think you'll have more success applying to places that are open to like virtual internships or like what should he do now that since he's in Lebanon it's a smaller market like should he I, know. If, I mean uh you gotta search because uh I think the Lebanese community they like move out right they're not like very heavily based in Lebanon so you'd have a lot of contacts you could make in places like Qatar UAE for instance I know in UAE like in finance there's quite a few Lebanese people here so you could just talk to them probably I don't know if you've been talking to people that's probably so the best way to go about it. 
yeah. Uh, so you advise me just to reach out people from Lebanon who's working in this sector and then maybe seek their help. Yeah, exactly. Like, they, they'd be able to help help. You out. They'd be able to advise you, like, what do you need to do before you, I mean, before you come here, like, go anywhere, really. Yeah, they have, like, very, yeah they have big communities, yeah. So you could leverage their help, for sure. If you haven't done that already, yeah. Yeah, yeah I didn't do this already, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. No problem. Yeah, I would do that. I, again, we go, we go back to, like, just relationships is going to make you so much, it's going to get you so many more interviews. Um, than dropping your resume cold. Um, Marco, yeah, yeah. Marco Nina. Hello, how are you guys? Hey, Marco, how you doing? Uh, excellent, excellent. Thank you, thank you very much. This is my first week here with you guys. Awesome. Where are you? Where are you calling from? Uh, well, uh, I'm from Bolivia, but uh -huh. now I'm living in Toronto, in Canada. Oh, cool. Uh, yes. Uh, I I worked in the oil and gas industry for eight years. I got a master in business administration. I got a master's in the UK in engineering. Cool. And uh, because of the pandemic, I lost my job there. So I had to go back, visit my family. And now uh, I'm here. I'm studying uh, machine learning, uh, data uh, analysis, and everything you know related to programming and stuff. Because I want to uh, be like... Uh, business analyst. I love finance, but I need, you know, the tools to how to predict, how to analyze. Uh, so that's, that's, that's basically me. And I, I, I've been watching you guys and you are, you are doing really, really good. Thank you. Welcome. Great to have you. Any question you have specifically around, I'm looking at your LinkedIn, so I have a good idea of your background now. So you're not in Toronto now, you're back in Bolivia? No, I am in Toronto now. You're in, in Toronto. Toronto. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, no, I, I just was, uh, you know, uh, listening. I think is um, correct me if I'm wrong. The guy from Lebanon. Uh, yes, thirty applications. Not, I mean, uh, you can You need to try more. It's just an advice, and maybe go try to some volunteering, uh, meet people. You know, uh, the most important stuff, in my opinion, uh, in every kind of of uh, job or or project you you are involved in is people. So the most important part is people, and and uh, that's why, for instance, me, I I was a university professor, I I was an English teacher for orphans in South America. I always trying to to be involved, and I am here with you now. You see, I just came here two months ago. I I had this experience, and it's just trying and meeting people, and you know, being out of your comfort zone. I think that's that's. That's what makes the difference. I love it. Yeah, I think it's great advice. Um, I think uh, Marco, your your LinkedIn looks uh, profile looks great. The only thing I notice is your la lack of connection requests. You got to up that. Yeah, I mean, uh, the thing is, um, my 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 LinkedIn previously was with my whole experience because I I work as a data engineer for three years yeah. in oil and gas, eight years in oil and gas. And my last position was a head of drilling services. So it was too much a university professor. Yeah, I was yeah. volunteering. So I, then I said, okay, I'm, what I'm doing here in Toronto is just going to be focused in data analysis in the business sector. So I had to remove everything. Now I'm starting again. And I appreciate if you have some advice, though, because 
No. Have you thought of Tableau as well, like in terms of business, like different tools in terms of the... Yes, yes. Last week, we we were doing Santa Rue uh, um, exercises and cool. at the college with some friends. And now this week, we're, I'm going to to do Power BI, which is Power really, BI. really awesome. good. Yes. Perfect. Yeah, so good. good. You're on the right track. There'll be yeah. jobs. If you get those skills, there'll be jobs. Yes, yes. This, this, this <laughs> week, yeah. I mean, uh, that... I just want to contribute with you guys. I mean, if you if you need something about you know uh, writing, I'm really good at writing. I love writing and uh, researching because before the pandemic, I I got two offers to do research in the UK. So I went there. I was working in England, and then the the COVID, you know, yeah. So we 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 lost the funds. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I had to come back here. So yeah. So basically, oh, that's 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 me. And yeah. So love it. Love it. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll keep you in mind um, as we go. I think it's nice to have somebody with a little more experience and give the wisdom to the young, younger uh, interns here. Um, is Emmett, is your hand up again or, or Madav, did you raise again? Do you guys have another question or not? I think someone was ahead of me, so I'll let them go ahead for now. Uh, Madav, did, question, yeah. did you have another question, Madav? Um, I think he's muted. Sorry, my mind was on the whole time. My bad. No worries. Um, okay, I think Emmett, I think it's you then. I don't think there was a question. Perfect. Um, yeah, so I had one other kind of question that just kind of came to mind. Um, so I'm just thinking, so, you know, I, I feel like normally when you're applying for kind of internships, the kind of summer ones, the grad ones, et cetera, they're not obviously specific to any desk within, you know, an IBD team or an S&T team or whatever. How do you ensure that, let's say you are interested in a certain sector how, or coverage team or you know, product team, how do you ensure that you get on one of those desks? Is it, you know, you, do you say it in the interview um, and then they kind of allocate you to that on the internship or do you do rotation across the desk? Usually you do rotate. Usually you do rotations. Depends how big the firm is, right? Um, but usually there's rotations. You got to be a little careful about like being really picky um, early. Like I think getting the job is like oftentimes they'll do the like assignments to whatever desk after and you can like, there's like a matching process where you rank them. Um, sometimes it's just a general pool though, where like you have to just get in past everybody else. And so it could be good if you're interviewing with somebody of a specific desk and you say you want to be on their desk. And then you could backfire on you if, you, if you're doing somebody else and you say you want to be on another desk. Um, with HR, I think you can be a little more open, um, but you don't want to be like, I'm not going to take it unless you give me this coverage group or whatever. You can just okay, say- So I guess kind of people please and choose your audience just as long as you get the return offer, that's what- You get the, the offer, end. yeah, I get the return offer first. And then the other thing is, if let's say you get the return offer, and you you let them you let HR you let you rank specific groups and they don't give you any of your top choices and they put you in a group you really don't like. As far as I'm concerned, like you should be shopping that offer. Okay. And you should be in like you should have a much easier time actually getting looks and interviews to let because you can just say to the other groups be like, hey, I'm in this, I'm going to this group. I really would like prefer to be in this coverage group that you're in. Um, I don't know if there's any additional slots for a lateral intern or, or for a full-time role, but that's, that's what I would do then. But I wouldn't risk your uh, return offer with, with being overly demanding too early. Okay. And 
you know, that kind of return offer on a certain desk, how is that determined? Is that, you know, just how you got on with that certain team, how totally. you formed or how you got along, just how you got on? Yeah. <laughs> usually I say it's not always, but usually it's like, Oh, do they like hanging out with you? Okay. And you take okay. a joke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I guess. Um, and, and like your work, obviously, like, are you sloppy? Are you making mistakes or are you doing a good job with the lunch orders? Okay. Essentially, do they want you back? Does that specific team want you back? Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes they'll rank their, I think sometimes they have their own internal ranking process. Like we really want Emmett. We don't want XYZ person. Um, that type of thing. But if everyone's gunning for you, like we all want Emmett, then you may not end up the place you want to be, but then it's helpful if the team that wants you and you say you want that team, they'll HR will take care of that and give you the one you want. Okay, so if there's a lot of demand for, you know, if you're lucky to be off enough to be in that position and there's so much demand, you might even not even get a say in the offer. It's just yeah. Yeah. Who has the most pull amongst the managers? Yes. Interesting. Okay. Uh yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, there's all in all firms do this differently. The but the bit the basic uh rules are what I said typically go like usually there's this this big powwow internally where they're all like around a table and they're like putting everyone's name and everyone's like deciding who gets the offers but then also um there's a little bit of that matching going on um or sometimes it's done in a separate second meeting so once everybody's like given the general offer they figure out who's accepted and then they start the matching sometimes it's done all once sometimes it's done in two separate meetings awesome thanks patrick yep yep no worries um I always say, like, just be careful not to over overstep your 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 leverage. Like, think you have more leverage than you do. Um, they have tens of thousands of thousands of applicants for every seat they fill. So, um, just be careful. Um, some more questions here in the chat that I had missed. Let me see. Uh, Max asks, as a high school graduate without college experiences, how should I jumpstart my career in finance or business? Are there any internships or programs designed for my educational background? Um, hey, Max, um, there is, so without college experience, it's tough to get into any sort of traditional like recruiting channels. And it's going to be tough to network too, because people are going to be like, okay, what year are you? What's your degree? Because it's such a like, how do I say, risk averse industry. So it's going to be very hard. I think the best, if you don't want to go to college, even if it's community college and transferring to like in-state where the tuition's low, um, your best bet is really just like developing specific skills around a specific niche. For example, let's say you're into real estate, you become really good at real estate modeling, and then you offer your services for free to a guy doing like development and uh, small acquisitions, real estate in your region. Suddenly you've worked on three or four deals. You've done all the underwriting for him or her. And then suddenly you have that experience, your resume, people aren't going to care as much <laughs> um, about the college, um, but it's going to make things a lot harder to get that first kind of shot. Um, so again, you don't need to go to college um, to, to get a good role. Um, I think there's a lot of maturity, maturing that happens during college and, and you understand how to, how to learn better um, going through that experience, but it doesn't mean it can't be done. Um, the other thing I'd say specifically is like, you got to learn how to network either way. Um, you got to learn how to talk to people either way. So like the sooner you get good at that, the faster you'll be able to start getting opportunities to, to for, for real work. 
for real apprenticeship type work where you're like, know very little, even no matter how much, how many online courses you do and things like real, when you get thrown into the real world and you're actually thrown into the messiness of the real world, like that's the type of work you eventually need to get on your resume to be looked at seriously. So you need to stack internships basically right now. This is a good place to start. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else did I miss? Uh, Parthas, I'm a rising junior at Virginia Tech. Should I just go for a middle or small firm first, then go for a big firm after? Hey, Parth, uh, that's a little vague, but I would say go for all firms now. Why are you gonna? Doesn't take. It's not that hard to apply to a place. Um, I think you'd be. It'd be a big mistake if you were only going for the big firms and the big names. That's a big mistake that a lot of people make, thinking I have a high GPA, like I'm gonna get lots of looks. I'm gonna get interviews, and then everyone's shocked when they don't even get an interview. Um, so that would be a mistake, but I don't, you should still apply to your reaches. It's just like any college application. Like you're going to have safeties. You're going to have you know, your cores and you're going to have reaches apply to your reaches. You never know. Maybe you'll get an interview and you'll wow them and boom, you're in to save yourself three years. <laughs> um, let's see here. Um, I have a quick question. I don't know if you answered this last week, but at a big, uh, bank like Bank of America or City with a huge balance sheet. What desks would you recommend in trading? I know you're not like the most knowledgeable in trading, but do you think it would be like a high yield or um, credit desk? Then instead of like obviously equities or equity derivatives would probably be like Delta One would be the lowest on the totem pole. Honestly, yeah, I would be speaking out of my ass if I gave you advice on that. Like, gotcha. just don't. I don't know enough about the dynamics of ST, especially at specific banks. Mm -hmm. To be knowledgeable, I, I would ask that. I would go to the trading community to ask that exact question. Yeah, I think, I think it's a good question. It's totally fair. Um, and then another question. Mm -hmm. Um, I reached out to this guy at Goldman Investment Banking, and he said he's happy to chat. Um. You know, he said, it's been a crazy week. He hasn't gone back to me, but Wednesday to Friday works. And then I said, yeah, that works for me. Um, and then he hasn't responded back. Should I just send him a quick ping if uh, today still works? You think? Um, it's Friday, right? Um, yeah, as long as it's more like soft, like a short one line, like, hey, just, just wondering if you had any time later t tonight. If not, no worries. I'll follow up in a few weeks, something like that. Got it. Yeah. So I just keep it soft and like casual. Don't be like, we we had scheduled the time from Wednesday to Friday <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or not. Like, you know, as long as you're not doing that, I think you're fine. Yeah. You're blocked from my network. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I will not talk to you anymore. You stood me up. Uh, Muhammad, you have a question. And then I think you're muted still. And then if Muhammad doesn't have a question, I will pull up another one. Yeah, sure. So yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Hey, how are you? Sorry, did you say you had a question? So yeah, basically, I just wanted to ask. Um, it's been it's been a busy week, and I couldn't really I couldn't really contribute a lot of work for the internship this week because we have the Atha holiday and this weekend. So you know, um, it's been a really busy week. So is it okay that this week wasn't uh, a productive one? Um, 
that's fine. I think as long as it's, it, you know, you're averaging out um, over the internship, I think it's fine. Yeah. Okay, yeah, sure. So uh, next week, I will try to uh, catch up on things. Uh, but I finalized my first uh, article uh, both ways. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for that. Thank you. Um, cool. And then let me see what else here. Tanay said, I'm really bad at networking. I realize that is extremely important. Any tips on how I could cold message random people on LinkedIn and get a conversation started? <laughs> I love the uh, self-reflection and the introspection to know that you're bad at networking. It's something you need to get better at. Um, so I think the the cold messages and LinkedIn stuff is probably the easiest part. The hardest part is actually picking up the phone and getting and talking to people. That's when people who are shy or don't feel like they're good at networking, that's where they really get nervous. Um, in terms of who you should be cold messaging, um, I would really cold message anybody you could have any connection to relatively speaking. So I'm looking at your, see if I can pull up your profile here. Uh, here you are. So you're in Dubai. Um, you are, are you in Plattsburgh? New York? I don't know if you're still on. Today is, you know, I'll ask you to unmute. I don't know if you're still listening. Um, but in general, I think, Hey Patrick, sorry for that. No, it's okay. Yeah, so are you uh, in are you in Plattsburgh right now? Not right now, but I'll be going there in like a month. In a month, yeah, you're going back for your last semester. Yep. Um. So I think the best thing you can do is um. You you have two hundred connections, two hundred thirty connections. Like, I think anybody that's at another non-target school, maybe in that area, in the New York area. Mm -hmm. be a good person to reach out to and it could be like hey um just wanted to reach out and hope to get time to chat i mean the issue is you're graduating soon right yeah um and you, you don't have anything lined up for january not as of yet okay so i mean at this point it's that's takes precedence over everything yeah over, over even classes at this point assuming you did yep. recently <laughs> So like, um, what I would say is like, um, you should be hitting anybody and everybody up as many connection requests as you can, um, probably about a hundred a day. Got it. Um, with a short, you just do a quick filter, like, uh, just look at schools near Plattsburgh. So look at anybody. I mean, even if it's like Fordham, Baruch, and just like make that connection of like, hey, I'm also at a non-target near New York, you know, um, was hoping we could have a couple minutes to talk. Notice you worked at da-da-da-da. But you have that template and you use copy, paste, copy, paste, send, connect, connection request, connection request, connection request. Each one probably take you about 30 seconds to a minute to do once you have that list searched. So you do that, you'll probably get about 10 to 5, 10 to 20% of the people accepting your connection request from there. You pull those emails, you get them into, into your right inbox here, and then you start the follow-up, hey, trying to set times for calls, for phone calls. Got it. That's the best thing you can do. That's going to be the Got most, it. It's, it sounds like a pain. It is a pain. It's a nightmare. It's a, but that's the best thing you do is get on the phone call, get on phone calls right now and not be um, just dropping your, your resume in. I'd also get this, um, this internship on your LinkedIn. Got it um as you're doing that because it'll make it'll make you more uh relatable to people in finance because people are like oh i know wall street oasis got it perfect okay um 
because the other stuff like you were a random marketing intern student employee um yeah not bad i just like i don't know is your gpa decent yeah it's at a 3.9 yeah so that's great so like you just need to get yourself out there got it but it's going to be tough man like i think you should keep your keep your net pretty wide at this point because it's the you know six months away yep okay that's so, Patrick. yeah yeah good luck thank you keep us up to date of course um, and then let's see here and by the way everyone's bad at networking when they start it's not something you're bad at permanently it's just going to be awkward and weird the first 10 calls you do and then you'll be like this isn't so bad <laughs> marco's laughing <laughs> uh, Amy asks, how and when should I follow up with people I have networked with? Amy, this is a great question. So a lot of people are like, it's awkward. When do I follow up? So I think right, away, right after your, your initial call, you should thank them for taking the time out of their busy schedules to chat with you. Then I typically say, you know, anywhere from three to six weeks, even three months, um, depending. So if like, for example, let's say you land an internship somewhere or you spoke with somebody that had uh that knew them, or let's say you spoke to somebody that they had referenced to you, that's another opportunity to just reach out and thank them. Hey, I spoke with, you know, Julie that you recommended speaking with, and she was super helpful. I just wanted to send in a thank, quick thank you to you for introducing us. That's, that's a good way. So like, I'd say there's several times you can reach out. One is like when things change on your recruiting path. So like you landed an internship, you just started applying, you got something, an award, not to like brag about it, but just, you know, check in with them. If it's like three months, just to give, it gives you an opportunity to reach out and update your whole network. Um, so there's like big milestones, like landing an internship, keeping them up to date, thanking them again for their time, that type of stuff. Um, so yeah, I would usually say don't do like every other week or every three weeks. I'd say usually try to stretch it out a little bit so you can say something to them that's relevant. Thank you, Patrick, for answering. Um, it's the thing that my first time, um, like, now working with them, I didn't ask for anything. But some of my friends that, like, at the end of our conversation, I should ask for a referral, which I didn't. So, like, I was wondering, like, like even after months, like, can I still ask for a referral or or should I? ask for like a second time, like coffee chat, and then ask for a referral? Um, I don't think you need to do another coffee chat, um, but I think in the email, just updating them saying, hey, I just wanted to thank you again. I was wondering if there's anyone else. Don't call it a referral, but I was saying, I was wondering if you think it'd be oh, helpful to okay. speak with. You could say, I was wondering if there's anyone else you think I could speak with that would be helpful, um, that might be able to give me some insight into you know the path that I'm looking for. I don't know what, I don't know if you're, what you're targeting, but you could reference that. So, you know. Oh, it's yeah. consulting. Yeah, so I don't know if there's anyone else you think I should. Um, is it management consulting? Yes. Yeah, so I don't know if there's anyone else uh, you feel like I, I could chat with. Um, I'd greatly appreciate a, an introduction. Um, but I understand if you're too busy. Uh, either way, thanks again for chatting with me a few months ago. It was very insightful. Something like that. Oh, okay. And should I be reaching out to them through email or LinkedIn? If you have their email, email. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's helpful. Um, Thank you so much. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. Good luck. Um, let me see what else. I think we'll do one more. It's been a long call, guys. Started off slow and then picked up steam. Um, maybe. Here we go. How do you target? How do you target small banks? Uh, 
are there certain firms that have a recruitment quota for certain schools? Um, I can kind of answer both those. So certain firms have recruitment quota for certain schools. It's not really a quota per se, but they um, there definitely are firms that have certain relationships with certain schools and they try to keep that relationship in good standing by at least taking usually like one to three candidates from that school. So it's rare to see, let's say, it's rare to see like huge swings where like they'll take eight analysts from a school and then the next year they'll take zero. Usually you'll see like a pretty steady stream and it can go up or down in a given year depending on the applicant quality pool, but um, uh, much more, um, at least in terms of the investment banking recruiting, um, there's, there's much larger bucket for the non-target group, which is good for a lot of you who aren't out of target school. Um, so that is good. So yeah, there's definitely relationships at the target and the semi-target schools with these firms, but I don't think it's relevant anyways, that whether they have a target, whether they have a relationship or not. It's not changing kind of what you need to do um, to put yourself in Do you have any examples of any relationships? Like, do you um, know of any relationships? Um, you know, I was at Williams College. I know we had a pretty good relationship with like, you know, we're a tiny little liberal arts college. I know we had a pretty good relationship with like, uh, um, like Rothschild, where I ended up in, in Goldman Sachs. Like, we would usually place a few candidates there every year for a tiny school. Pretty good. So um, that's an example. But like, more, uh, if you go to, uh, again, the company database has a section, a tab called University Stats. You can see that there are certain banks that lean a little bit more on certain schools in terms of who they interview and who they bring in. You can see there's like sometimes it's weird. Sometimes like a bulge bracket will like recruit all the top schools except for one or something like that, <laughs> or except for a couple, and then like it's the flip side um, for others. So you see there's like and that that's typically a function of like the senior professionals, the partners having come from those schools, and they want to pull more from those schools for obvious reasons. Um, and then the last one, how do you target small banks? Um, Sharma asked this. And Sharma, I think, you know, it's going to be, again, the same answer. It's going to be talking to the actual employees, the analysts and the associates at the banks um, at those funds and trying to get a relationship, show them that you're, you know, you're eager to work in the industry, show them that you understand what they do, try to learn more about the specific bank itself. Um, you know, looking in the news at the specific, uh, potential deals they've done, being more knowledgeable around that so you can show that there actually is a lot of interest there. I think that's typically the best way about it. Anything else? I think that's going to call it. Nabil, is that good? Is that enough? Yep, yep. <laughs> I think that's a long call, guys. Uh, I'm going to yeah. call it before my voice goes. But thanks so much for everybody for joining. Uh, this will be up. Uh, we'll get it up next week. Um, or, yeah, next week or the week after up in the, in the chat so everyone can see it. Thanks so much, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Have a great weekend. Bye. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time.